Welcome to the Talking the Line podcast, presented to you by Talking the Line Sports Media, giving you our best insights and analysis so you can rake in some cold hard cash on your next sports bet. Now sit on back, open up your mind, and let's cash some tickets. We can't thank you enough for joining us. We hope you enjoy. afternoon good evening ladies and gentlemen degenerates and gamblers far and wide oh and nfl fans too welcome in to episode number 91 of the talking the line podcast and hey as always thank you so much for taking a few moments out of your day to come and kick it with the crew on this beautiful thursday of bets and more but before we get into the and more talk all about the atlanta falcons today i know you saw the title please take a few moments to smash that subscribe button on whatever platform you are currently ingesting the ttl pod on if you are watching on youtube whether live or the recorded version make sure you hit that notification bell as well whatever side of the screen it's on there so you never miss the start of a live show or any content drop but if you are listening to the audio version on your favorite podcast directory make sure you hit the subscribe button there as well if you haven't already because we do release the audio of every live show after it is completed next item up on the docket hey if you got a couple extra seconds you could be so kind hit that like button leave us a comment leave us a rating jump in the live chat if you are watching live all of that good stuff we can't tell you how much we appreciate it when you do and it only helps us make ttl sports media bigger and better for each and every one of you last but certainly not least head on over to this episode's description where you will find the first link there the talking the line link tree within that link tree you will locate all of the ttl crews content and the new and improved talkingtheline.com website so you can consume all of that however and whenever you please ladies and gentlemen and beautiful gambling people joining us for today's show i am your humble host colton Colt 45 Soroka, and I don't want to leave out of any any of you out of this. What a tongue twister that is there. How about Atlanta Falcons fans? How about NFL fans? How about everybody in between that may just be a fan of the Shield? Well, you came to the right podcast today, my friend. But before we get into the full episode and show, I got to bring in my partner, the man that I typically lock arm in arm with in the daily battles with the sports books. Now, still been doing so we've still been cashing tickets we'll talk about that a little bit as well but for now let me bring in the man the myth 
the degenerate gambling legend and now NFL team analyst, Mr. Riley Armax Magnuson. Partner, how you doing over there today, pal? I'm doing pretty damn good, my friend. It's a beautiful day here in the Windy City, and uh, I'm feeling pretty fantastic about getting into yet another team here to dive into because I uh, I've got some thoughts on the Atlanta Falcons here, and I'm uh, I'm ready to lay them down with you because I feel like we have some uh, you know some similar opinions, different opinions, much like yesterday. So I'm ready to dive into it, my man. Absolutely, my friend. I cannot wait. Uh, day two of 32 coming here ready to rock and roll. I am uh, super excited to get into the Atlanta Falcons, new coaching staff, yes, new stuff, all types of good nonsense to talk about with the team in ATL. However, before we do that, uh, let's uh, first discuss what to expect on the show today. And then we got to let you know, just because we have quote-unquote bailed out of the MLB season. Oh, no, we have not. We may not be given daily picks on the show anymore. However, that's just for the time being. You know it will resume once we get into the uh, NFL season and college football season. But with that being said, we're still cashing MLB tickets right now. Me and Mags went 7-2-1 combined yesterday, a little under four units gained on the day. So make sure you follow us on the Action Network app. I am at cash underscore with underscore Colt. Mags is at Mags in all caps, R-M-A-G-S. And then you can follow the TTL crew's best bets once those come back at Talking the Line. Or if you'd rather, we make it super easy for you on TalkingTheLine.com to check out all of our best bets of the day and hammer them in right from our website. You can even check the live lines and odds for every game on the daily slate. So check that out as well. Make sure you're still hammering in our best bets of the day because boys and girls, we're still cashing tickets. You know that's the motto over here at the TTL pod. But for today, continuing on with the NFL Special Editions, the second installment out of 32, we may at some point in time shove a couple of teams into one episode, maybe two, three altogether, because quick, fast, and in a hurry, the college football season will be here, and then the NFL season will be here, and we're going to have to be giving out a few bets during the day when those things happen. No question. Maybe a team like the old Houston Texans, not going to have too much to talk about there, I don't think. Not a whole lot. I wouldn't think so either, my Mm -hmm. friend. Not a whole lot of value across the board. So, (laughs) Just a little bit of outlook there for things to come. But for today's show, my friends, everything Atlanta Falcons. We'll be talking offense, key additions, key losses, overall outlook, some key numbers from last season. We'll also be looking at the defense in the exact same fashion. Then we'll stop by the coaching staff, take a look, some of their schemes, what they will be doing this year down in the ATL. Then we got to take a look at their schedule. After we go through their entire lineup, we're going to see what that lineup is going to be doing for all 18 weeks of the NFL season. Now, that's right, one extra week. In case you forgot at this point, it's coming in hot and heavy, and we'll be breaking down the entire Falcons' schedule, strength of schedule, opponents, and then that'll segue us all into some of their odds for the season. We'll uh, break down every single week's betting line. We will give you a way too early week one selection for their week one game. We'll also talk about their win total, some of their key trends from last season. We'll get into every single bit of betting advice that you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. And then we'll wrap it all up with a little bit of fantasy advice. We'll go room by room 
room, position by position, and we'll give you our best advice what we might be targeting for our personal fantasy teams and leagues, and maybe you should plug and play, and what we have now called, and you will soon see, start, stash, or pass. So stay tuned for the fourth segment, if you will, of the Atlanta Falcons episode. Now, with all that being said, you might not have seen anything mentioned about the ransom reactions in the description. We're going to pause those for the time being and focus all of our efforts and energy on the NFL and the given team that is being analyzed on that day. We don't want to rush through anything. We want to make sure we hit every crack, crevice, nook, cranny that we possibly can because we want to be prepared and we want to make sure you guys are prepared for the start of the NFL regular season. So we're going to put a pause on those. If there's any crazy breaking news during the show, definitely we'll bring it to you. There might even be some news in relation to the team we're talking about on that given day we need to be telling you about. That would be wild. That would be pretty sweet. That would be pretty sweet, and I hope that does happen, but that'll kind of be some of that. However, we all need a little extra inspiration and motivation in our lives, and in our industry, not nobody that I know does it like I do. So, uh, of course, I will still bring you, be bringing you my motivation minutes, quick two to five minutes at the end of every episode. Still, uh, today's message is not being afraid to bet on yourself. So stick around for the very end of the show after we wrap up everything Atlanta Falcons for some motivation minutes. And maybe we might even see an RMAG sidebar as well. Who knows? Who's to say? But partner, anything else I missed, didn't talk about, or that you need to get off of your chest before I get episode 91 steaming down the tracks. I think I'm about all set. All right, my friend. So for now, stop the drama, quit the banner, knock off the nonsense that you could go to every other sports media outlet and get. Typically, you come to the TTL pod for the Stone Cold Locks. Yes, yes. But now for the next 32 episodes-ish, you're coming (laughs) for the NFL analysis and everything in between for the given team, selected team for that day. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get into today's team of the day, episode 91, the Atlanta Falcons on July 29th, 2021. First things first, I am uh, incredibly excited to see what this Falcons team does. Mm -hmm. We all know that they have been uh, traditionally for the past two seasons, that team that gets a huge first half lead and then says bye-bye to all of that in the second half of their games. Uh, Most notably against the Pats, up 28-9 to in the Mm -hmm. fourth quarter in the bowl with nine and a half ticks on the clock left. Oh, I don't know what this uh, Falcons team is going to do. They scrapped everything, brought in Arthur Smith. He's bringing in his boy Dean Pease with him. They're trying to revamp the whole Falcons organization, but we're not going to talk about them yet. Get that stink out of there. Yeah, get it on out of there. We don't want it around here no more. We got plenty to talk about. We got plenty of reasons to tell you as to why they were bad, what they need to fix, what we think they will be fixing, and everything in between. So for the first segment on the Atlanta Falcons, ladies and gentlemen, let's get right into it. The Atlanta Falcons, full team breakdown. Now, without further ado, let's start things on the offensive side of the ball. Everybody loves offense. Everybody loves the high-flying NFL that's out there nowadays. So let's get to it. First things first, uh, if you weren't here for yesterday's 
episode. This is how we started it off, and this is how we will be starting it off from here on out. Going to look at some key losses and additions on the offensive side of the ball. I'm going to cover losses, then I'm going to kick it over to my partner. I'm going to let him cover some of the additions offensively. So first things first, they obviously had some big losses, Uh uh, if you didn't know. Some of the biggest losses that I could say right now, Brian Hill running back, Ito Smith running back, Todd Gurley, absolute brutal hit at running back Brandon Powell oh at wide receiver (laughs) Laquan Treadwell at wide receiver oh my gosh what just those guys alone of course you know I'm joking you know I'm building it all up to tell you about the next guy who I think is going to really hinge or has has always consistently hinged on what the Atlanta Falcons does has done on the offensive side of the ball and that's Julio Jones They lost Julio Jones at wide receiver. We all know it. He went to Tennessee. We talked about him a little yesterday, but we are not talking about the Titans. We're talking about the wide or the offensive losses Mm -hmm. right now. Luke Stocker, they lost at tight end. uh, Wasn't a huge contribution to the offense, but still a loss nonetheless. Alex Mack at center. They lost Justin McCray, left guard. Also James Carpenter at left guard. Got rid of James Wetzel at left tackle. All in total, lost 11 players to either free agency or trades on the offensive side of the ball. Partner, how about things on the offensive side of the ball as far as additions? What do we got draft-wise and maybe Mm -hmm. via trade or free agency? Yeah, so as far as the additions go, nothing nothing that really jumps off the page aside from the obvious Kyle Pitts coming in at the number four pick overall for the tight end position. Huge pickup. He's got high expectations. Also in the draft, they get Jalen Mayfield O-line in the third round. Looks like he could be playing some left guard for the Falcons this year. And then uh, the other ones that we've got here, Cordero Patterson, not going to you know win you a Super Bowl, but uh, not a bad pickup. He's been helping teams the last few years. And then partner mentioned that three running backs that left town. The one that they did bring back into town is Mike Davis from Carolina. Uh, so interested to see what happens there. But uh, a little interested or a little, sh- I wouldn't say shocked, but just kind of curious to see that they dropped all those running backs and then really only brought in Mike Davis. So. Mm -hmm. that's honestly the biggest question mark uh, as far as the offensive side of the ball goes for me. Uh, Maybe not the biggest, but just kind of what we see from these running backs, what we see from Mike Davis, who filled in for McCaffrey a lot of the a lot of the season last year. So, you know, we'll see if he gets the workload or we see we might see some, uh, you know, hidden gem that we've never heard before. I'm not sure. Sure. And that's a perfect segue right into kind of the overall outlook for the Atlanta Falcons offensively Mm -hmm. this season. Um, you know, I like that you touched on the running backs there because that was something heavy in my mind as well. I mean, obviously, we saw Mike Davis have a doggone solid year last season sure. in Atlanta. Christian McCaffrey goes out and he picks up a huge amount of the workload and ends up being an RB1, if not RB2 in fantasy all mm-hmm. year long. We'll talk a little bit about him later on in the show when it comes to the fantasy side of things. But as far as that goes, that's really all I think you can depend on because then the rest of their depth chart right now, and it's not even really set, it's just on their roster. They got Javion Hawkins, Caleb Huntley, Quandre Allison is also wrapping it up, and he's projected to be the number two running back on this okay. depth chart. Obviously still not set, won't be set before uh, preseason game week one. Right, and then I'm interested to see, I kind of mentioned it, but you know, Cordero Patterson has kind of been a jackknife in the eye, and uh, you know, Chicago, New England, uh, all these different offenses can take some snaps in the backfield, but that's obviously not uh, not ideal. Yeah. Uh, as far as relying on him so i feel like a lot of the uh a lot of the 
bulk of the workload is going to fall on Mike Davis's shoulder, and that could be a big, uh, you know, boomer bust for their se- offensive season, at least. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I 150% know <laughs> what you're saying, and I'm glad you mentioned Cordero Patterson again because I was going to take it back there. I really enjoyed him on the Bears for the last yeah. few seasons. CP Flash, I mean, always running off the field after the game. How about them Bears? Yeah. It was just always a great time, he, and he was just an electric player. He always he, He's a tough player. He gives a lot of heart, so... I don't know how much work he'll get at receiver. I don't know how much work he'll get at running back. I'm sure he'll be one of the main punt and kick return guys if I would be a betting man, which you guys know I am a betting man. So that being the case, uh, that kind of segues into the wide receiver room. Now, this, in my opinion, is one of the more elite wide receiver rooms in the league, even with the loss of Julio Jones. Now, they still have a lot to prove, but mind you, they still have Calvin Ridley and Russell Gage. Now, Russell Gage still has a little bit to prove in his sophomore season. However, I do have a lot of faith in him because he was a solid plug-and-play flex option last year um, when a couple times when Julio went out. When Julio didn't play those games, I really liked targeting him. And then I told you a few episodes back before we even started on the NFL that one of my early season predictions, kind of a hot take, is that I think at least, at the bare minimum, Calvin Ridley is in the top five no, top three in receiving yards this year in the NFL. I don't know what you think about that wide receiver room partner, but I mean, it doesn't look bad. They got uh, Zacchaeus on the far outside. And then as far as anybody else, when it comes to the wide receiver room, there's just really not a whole lot of value outside of that. Uh, Darby, who I do believe uh, they picked up via free agency. But Uh outside of that, how do you feel about that wide receiver room? Yeah, I'm, the depth of it definitely concerns me. I am also maybe not quite as high uh, as you are, Calvin Ridley. I am pretty close, though. I could see that happening. Uh, without Julio Jones, the seven games last year, he still played very, very well, if not you know, higher production for him. So I, I do think he's going to have a big season this year. Russell Gage, uh, yeah, like you said, kind of where you are. I'm interested to see where he goes. But I think Kyle Pitts really opens things up for uh, Calvin Ridley. Without him, uh, I would be a little concerned about his production this year just because it's going to be it would be a little too one-dimensional, but now you get, now that you got Kyle Pitts down low, uh, I really like that for Calvin Ridley's production. So I, I actually I'm I'm gonna be right there with you. I think he could be top five in receiving yards this year. All right, well I'm glad you're on that boat with me yeah. as well, and I'm also glad you mentioned Kyle Pitts, my friend, mm-hmm. because the pickup, the number one overall draft, the draft pick, you know he, he he's got to be the man. He has has to, to perform. And you look back, my man, the coach. One of the only tight ends, I believe the only tight end to have a thousand plus yards and as a rookie tight end. As a rookie tight end. Something like that. Outside of that, um, nobody else has done it but uh, the coach. Right. Or Iron Mike. I think he could, man. I mean, I, I don't think uh, I don't think the uh, the folklore around him is is BS. I think he's as good as people are saying yeah. he is. And the way uh, you know, I think Arthur Smith coming in. If it was last year's team, I think he would still have some success, but might be a question mark the type of production and how they're going to use him. But with Arthur Smith, I think uh, this was a perfect fit uh, with him as the uh, play caller and uh, Kyle Pitts here. So I think he's gonna. A thousand yards, that's obviously tough. You said Mike Ditka, Hall of Fame, uh, Hall of Fame tight end is the only guy as a rookie. So that's obviously uh no tall ta- or no small task, but uh, I really think he could could get there this year. I think he can too. I mean, you know, you had Cam Jordan come out and said, Ah, he's a little light in the ass being mm. tight end, ain't he? <laughs> you know, so 
I think a lot of the guys in the league are going to be targeting that. A lot of guys are going to be targeting him to, uh, hey, we're going to lay this boy on his ass and we're going to be all over him all game long. Now, he's already earned a lot of the early respect of some of the top tier tight ends yep. in the league so far. So that's great to see. They obviously see he has the prowess. I'm right there with you. I, I think he has the capability. I think he is definitely worth an addition. We'll talk about his fantasy fantasy value later. Sure. Um, but as, as for now, uh, that kind of does it for the tight end room. It kind of looks like they're putting all their chips on Kyle Pitts and, uh, Hey, boomer bust, big dog. You got to get it done. Honestly, aside from all the quarterbacks, rookie quarterbacks, Kyle Pitts is probably the rookie that I am most looking forward to watching this year. If I'm being honest, same here, same here. Obviously he was electric at Florida. So we'll see how he does once he comes into, uh, the big boy league. Yeah. But sometimes a blocker sometimes on the line what a segue from tight ends into the offensive line not looking too bad this season for um for the falcons in general uh-huh. not looking too great overall um they do have jack jake matthews mm-hmm. uh, you reminded me he is returning uh this year but they do have a rookie in mayfield at left guard so a little bit of question marks there obviously they lost alex mack which yep. is a big loss at center but they replaced him with hennessy they got lindstrom and mccray right guard right tackle respectively but i do believe right uh, mccray is a right guard by trade uh yeah i mean this offensive line i believe is like the 24th uh, you know, as far as uh, salary cap goes, and Jake mm-hmm. Matthews is a big chunk of that. So I'm interested to see how the right side of this offensive line does. And the, uh, yeah, if we see Mayfield at, the, at that left guard spot, I don't know, man. It uh, one of the offensive lines that I, it might be one of the bigger question marks in the league. Cause I, I like Jake Matthews on the left side. He's going to hold things down again. But aside from that, handful of question marks there. Yeah, I think there's a, a good handful of question marks. And actually, per Sharp Football Analysis, they are the 25th ranked offense in the NFL uh, outlook into the 2021 season. So not good looking good for that offensive line. Um, Matt Ryan's going to have to be getting that ball out quick. Yeah. And uh, we'll hopefully be able to um, utilize that uh, Arthur Smith play action right. to his advantage. But we'll talk about that just here in a second. A couple of key trends I wanted to uh, let you guys know about as far as the offensive side of the ball uh, when it came to the Atlanta Falcons. They averaged about five and a half yards per play last season. And uh, for their rushing and passing splits, you would actually be surprised they rushed a lot less in the first half and then rushed a whole bunch more in the second half. And that actually kind of led to their demise huh. and why they gave up so Go many figure. doggone leads. Go figure. But you look at the splits and their rush play percent was 37.94 and their pass play percent was 62.06. So really bizarre. They passed so much in the first half and then kind of dug themselves in a hole running and doing the exact opposite where they don't have much success in the second half. So hopefully Arthur Smith turned that around. But you know, the old dog, Matt Ryan, still having 64.97 completion percentage. They had a 43.89% third down conversion rate, a little bit better than the Cardinals we talked about yesterday, and pretty solid in the red zone. Nothing to write home about, but 53.45% red zone scoring. Not bad at all for this Atlanta offense. Obviously, some of those numbers, you'd like to see them up more, um, but that offense left a lot to be desired last year. Uh, Once again, kind of talked about it right there. Right, the, their demise came all of all off of all second half running. Right, 
and running the ball too gone too doggone much. Trying to put leads. the game on ice, and they didn't have the run game to do that, and it just didn't work in their favor. So, you know, obviously certain teams have different ways of icing games, and the Falcons uh, didn't play to their own strengths. So, obviously, I assume Arthur Smith. I mean, the way they uh, approach the offseason and the draft, it does appear that they are addressing those issues. And uh, obviously, Arthur Smith's going to bring his own scheme and game plan to things, and it's going to you know correct those mistakes, in my opinion. So. I don't think we're going to see all these blown leads leads anymore, at least in that fashion. Uh, the volume that they had been the last year and the last five years or so. So I'm excited to see uh, what Arthur Smith does. As a, uh, a team from a different NFC team, I'm a little sad to see that they might not be that team that's blown leads anymore. But mm-hmm. from a betting perspective and trying to rely on a team that you see, you know, 75% of games, I want them to be able to finish these games and win us some bets this year. Sure, and I think that's definitely on the uh, the horizon. <laughs> I think so, too. But we'll talk about that a little bit more here shortly. As far as the defensive side of the ball, yep. now uh, we're going to flip-flop here a little bit. Mags is going to take over the key losses on the defensive side of the ball. I'm going to take over the key additions. So go ahead, partner. Hit him with it. What did the Falcons lose defensively going into the 2021 season? Alrighty, so we've got a handful of guys that they dropped this season via trade or free agency. You lost Charles Harris Harris off the edge, uh, Demonte Kazee back in the secondary there, Keanu Neal, Leroy Reynolds, Ricardo Allen, Allen Bailey, and Arquise Denard. So a handful of different losses here. Obviously, that defense had some issues last year anyways, uh, so it looks like they're just going to do a you know kind of a half rebuild here, keep some of their big pieces, uh, Dante Fowler, Deion Jones, going to keep those guys, Grady Jarrett as well. But as for the rest of them, they're definitely going to try a handful of different things here coming up this season, my friend. What do you got as far as the additions? So they did a few things. They added a handful of guys via free agency, four guys as a matter of fact. Uh, They took in Eric Harris, which I think is a pretty solid addition for them in its safety. Barcavius Mingo off of the edge. Uh, Deron Harmon, who looks like he's going to get an immediate starting position at safety. And then Fabian Moreau uh, at cornerback. Now, they did have a pretty solid draft defensively as well, if I do say so myself. So I think they're trying to beef it up, at least within their front seven. Uh, They picked up Taquan Graham out of Texas, uh, defensive end, and then Otekumbo Ogendeji. I know I probably didn't say that exactly, but if you know who I'm talking about, the uh, defensive end out of Notre Dame, Mm -hmm. I think he's going to be a force in the NFL. As much as I uh, don't like Notre Dame in general, uh, hey, I like their players from time to time, and I think he will be a force and a half. They did also add Richie Grant out of UCF, had a solid, solid season last year uh, in the safety position. They also added Darren Hall, uh, center uh, cornerback, actually, San Diego State University, and then also another cornerback in Avery Williams out of Boise State. So, Tried to beef up that secondary, but I think it's still going to be a little bit too light for them. Kind of going right into the full team breakdown and everything like that. You know, on the defensive side of the ball, they weren't very, very proficient at all in 2020, if I do say so myself. They allowed about 6.2 yards per play to their opponents. Uh, They had an opponent completion percentage of 68%. So if they were trying to improve the secondary, they didn't make a whole lot of too many moves to do that going into this season. Their opponent third down percentage conversion uh, was 41.03. And then their opponent red zone scoring percentage was right at 60. 64.29 so weren't worth a hot damn and stopping teams within the uh, 20 yard line there but 
that all being said, um, I don't know how you feel defensively about this team, partner. Why don't you kind of lay it on us? What are you thinking? I mean, as far as the front seven, I like that. Sure. But uh, you guys kind of know now, as far as the secondary, I think it lacks a lot. Yeah, I mean, we're kind of alluding to it. And as you just said, I, th- I obviously I like Fowler, Jones, Grady Jarrett. So I do like a lot of that front seven. Going to have some pressure on quarterbacks. But man... <laughs> Man, oh man, is that secondary looking rough this year? I don't know what to expect. Uh, you know, we'll get into the schedule, but fortunately, I don't think they. Uh, it doesn't look like they play too many big bombing teams as far as quarterback play and high air rate offenses goes. So I think they might have a schedule advantage as we're gonna about to break down in a second. But when they do face those good quarterbacks and high level quarterbacks and high level offenses, I think it is going to be an absolute shit show for this defense, my friend. And, yeah. Uh, you know, it's going to rely on a little bit of pressure and hopefully some run defense for him. I think uh, you are 150% uh, correct with everything you just said there. And as a matter of fact, also per Sharp Football Analysis, there he is and Warren Sharp and everybody over there are very, very low on this defense yeah. um, as you are. I'm glad you pointed out as we kind of segue into the schedule here that they do have some opportunities. I don't want to say cupcake games by any means, right. but that defense will have a little bit easier time. But they are ranked 28 for the front seven and 29th in the secondary overall out of right. 32 teams per sharp football analysis. So. We'll see what happens with that defense, but I myself personally do not have a whole lot of faith and uh, think they give up a lot of points. Yeah, but, I think so too. But that just kind of comes down to inexperience, not the coaching staff, sure. I don't believe. Sure. Because we have talked about it. We have an entirely new coaching staff coming into Atlanta. Uh, head coach... Arthur Smith, he is officially the 26th ranked head coach in the NFL, so not coming in with a whole lot of confidence uh, from the Sharp Football Analysis guys. So we'll see what happens there. He also brought along with him from Tennessee defensive – I was – Defensive coordinator Dean Pease. I was saying D and Dean Pease. You know all of that. DC defensive coordinator Dean Pease. All of the above syllables. Uh, He's bringing him with him. You know, I obviously we saw a lot with the um, Tennessee Titans last year. Arthur Smith being the OC there. Yep. Obviously, a lot of that play action, open up the field, ground and pound, stand and bang. I don't know if they're going to be able to do that all too much. here with the, that backfield you know it, it has yeah. a lot of holes in it when it comes to my mind you know Mike Davis is a solid running back but is he Derrick Henry I don't think so right is their scheme good enough to open up the opportunities for Mike Davis or is he going to find out after 10 minutes of week one that hey this guy uh, isn't exactly tractor Cito over here nope. and uh, this might be a rough one for us yeah it uh, very well could be but hey nonetheless we'll see what happens uh, with these new coaches coming in to uh, Atlanta here but hey Talking about it, let's just get right on into their schedule. Let's, do it. let's see what's happening for the Atlanta Falcons 2021 regular season schedule. It's time to break that bad boy down. Now, once again, ladies and gentlemen, per the sharp football analysis right now, um, the Atlanta Falcons have a relatively easy schedule. Mm-hmm. I don't want to call it easy, but there's not a whole lot of deep, dark red bars, which generally indicate uh, in his football preview that that's right. going to be a damn hard game. There's a lot of light pinks and a few greens. Now, in my mind, when I just quickly glanced through it, uh, they got about seven wins that I could pick out right off of the bat. But as far as it goes, here is the Atlanta Falcons full schedule breakdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, week one, we have the 
Eagles following that up by the Buccaneers, then the Giants, Washington football team, and then the New York Jets. They have their bye week in week six. Then they play the Dolphins, Panthers, and Saints. Week 10, 11, and 12 is the Cowboys, Patriots, and Jags. Then they have the Buccaneers again. They're a heated division rival. Then the Panthers following the Bucks, 49ers, Lions, and Bills, and then the Saints to close their season in week 18. So overall, I mean, not an incredibly, incredibly tough schedule in some portions, but there's some games that is really going to depend what that defense does, and they're going to be playing some elite quarterbacks, like you said, so it's really Mm going to matter what they do defensively. Now, as far as these go, any key games that stick out to you that would be ones that they would win or ones that are guaranteed loss? Yeah, I think they really, uh, they do have four games against the NFC East here, and I think they need to have three wins out of the NFC East there. I think the one game that would, kind of as we're talking about, if Dak Prescott is healthy, I think that Cowboys offense is going to tear this defense apart, kind of how we saw last year. Uh, Obviously, that game was a crazy one last year, but it was, uh, you know, both teams right around 40 points, so I think we could see that again from that game. Uh, But the other thing here that's sticking out to me that I was reading, um, one of their home games is in London, so they actually only have seven out of 17 games are in home or in Atlanta so they have a little bit of a disadvantage there fortunately for them they follow up that London game with their bye week um but yeah I, I think they gotta go three and one here against the NFC East um and then I believe they play the AFC or AFC East excuse me so you know, I think they got to have uh, have some wins against the Jets. And then, uh, you know, it could be tough sledding. That that actually could be the make or break for them there against the Bills. They're not going to beat the Bills. But as far as Dolphins, yeah. Patriots, uh, those two teams there. Are you aligned with me on that stuff or, you know, a little bit different opinions here? No, I'm pretty much aligned with you across the board. They're going to have to have some success all across the board in the NFC East. Mm-hmm. In my mind... Why I said seven wins, I think that they can beat the Eagles. I think they should beat the Eagles, Mm -hmm. no question. The Giants and the Jets all within their first five games. Now, the two I left out were the Bucs. I think they lose that, no question, in week two. But then the Washington football team. I think that game is going to be pretty, pretty decisive. I think those are two very evenly matched teams. And as a matter of fact, the Washington football team's defense is way better. So they might be putting a lot of pressure on Matt Ryan, might be confusing old Arthur Smith and Dean Pease in uh, week four. I don't know. It's gonna it does that that game's gonna loom large for me. Another game that's gonna loom large for me and does not appear to be an easy game for him is right after their bye week in week seven, Miami Dolphins. Yeah. That's going to be uh, very critical for them as well because four of their eight games played outside of the division are in the AFC East, as right. you mentioned. I don't think they beat the Bills. I don't think they beat the Patriots, especially so with Billy selling the farm to redo that defense this year. Right. I do like the matchup form in that game better than the rest of theirs as far as the defensive perspective. Not sure. so much their offense. I'm just talking about their defense because, uh, yeah, Cam Newton isn't going to be bombing it on their cornerbacks. So that's kind of where I'm thinking there. Yeah, well, oh, are you changing your – before before we go on? No, no, no. Not talk, okay, so oh, no, no. you're not, I'm just you're saying not changing I, your spot. On I think the Patriots the win that game. I'm just saying okay. I think it's okay. not a bad matchup for their defense. Yeah, and then I also think that they beat the Jets. So uh, yeah. there's another solid win for them. But overall, uh, another couple – games that I think are going to loom really large is that Patriots game. That's going to be huge for them. I think they do lose that, though. And then the Cowboys game. I'm not sure which way that falls. I think that's going to be one of those shootouts that's going to end up like a... I don't know, 52-49 victory for the Cowboys or something crazy like that happening at the very end. So I could see that happening in Week 10. And then they're going to have to get both 
from the Panthers, which I think that they can do, but it's still going to have to be a little bit. That That's a little bit of question in my mind as far as division goes. But as far as those games that really stick out, Cowboys and the Washington football team, if they win those two games, then I think they get nine wins because they get Eagles, Giants, Jets, Panthers twice, I would put them at five, and then the Jags and the Detroit Lions. That would be my seven wins for them. And then obviously, if they get the two wins against the football team and the Cowboys, then I'd put them at nine. That'd put them over seven and a half. Yeah, I think uh, those two games against the Saints, I wouldn't write them off for either of those two. Uh, We'll obviously talk about them in a couple of weeks, but the more each and every day that little snippets of news come out, I am losing confidence and losing faith in that New Orleans Saints team. Yeah. So I would not be shocked at all if the Falcons can get at least one of those. Um, but yeah, I'm uh, for the most part, I'm right aligned with you as far as their wins are concerned here. Yeah, and compared to their 2020 schedule, we already talked about it yeah. just briefly, but compared to that, kind of wrapping up everything all encompassing into the 2021 schedule, I don't want to say it was super, or it's going to be super easy this year by any stretch of the word. Mm-hmm. And I think it was. I don't want to say it was really, really hard. I mean, they had to play the AFC West last season. Yeah. So they obviously you got a couple really tough games in there. Then their division was pretty doggone stacked last season yep. as well. And then they played the NFC North, which obviously they had to play that Bears defense. That was a struggle for them. I don't remember how that game ended up playing out. That I was think a Bears- crazy blown lead. Oh, yeah, the Bears ended up winning <laughs> that game. That is right. early the Bears out of the won season. That game. Yeah. So a lot of weird stuff going on. If they can fix that. The jury's still out on the NFC least. Like I said, who knows if they're going to be that or if they're actually going to be NFC East teams. We'll see what they do. We'll obviously break them all down, what we're thinking with those guys. But they also have the opportunity to play the Jags, the Lions, but then they flip-flop 49ers instead of playing the Seahawks. So a little tough there, especially, especially defensively for them. So... I don't know. Their 2021 schedule looks a little bit harder, and uh, they weren't so hot last season. I mean, they finished the season 4-12, and so I don't think they're going to be that bad, but the schedule definitely doesn't get any easier for them. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think it is a little easier as far as overall on a full game perspective here, and then kind of how I was mentioning, it does seem like they're facing a few uh, lower-level quarterbacks here that I think they can have some wins against and not get bombarded against. Because, I mean, Josh Allen, Dak Prescott, um, and then uh, Tom Brady, I think, are just going to absolutely rain fire on those t- on the Falcons through uh, during those three, four games there. So No question. Yeah. Aside from that, I uh, I like a lot of their advantages and uh, matchups here on uh, on a few of these teams here. Yeah, as far as it looks on paper, there's a they got a few good key advantages, but of a couple ones that are definitely that question mark. So that does it for the entire schedule breakdown. You now know every single team that they're playing and what we think about the strength of their schedule and everything in between. Let's keep it uh, moving along here. This is a daily gambling show, so we got to talk about. The betting preview for the entire season for the Atlanta Falcons. Now, told you the schedule. What are their lines looking like? Well, hey, we got access to every single line. Don't you worry about it one bit. Week one against the Eagles, they are three and a half point favorites, and then they come in as nine and a half point dogs to the Buccaneers. Follow that up, two and a half point dogs to the Giants, three point favorites back to back against the Washington football team and the New York Jets in weeks four and five. Then weeks uh, seven and eight after their bye week in week six, they're three point or three and a half point dogs to the Dolphins, and then three and a half point favorites to the Panthers. Then their games between the Saints and the Cowboys, the Bucs 
folks are having little faith in them early. Six and a half point dogs in week nine to the Saints and five and a half point dogs to the Cowboys. Then they come in as minus one and a half point favorites over the Pitts. No, over the New England Patriots. Huh. Too much going on there. I apologize. And then they are a dead even virtual pick them right now against the huh. Jacksonville Jaguars. So you tell me what you think there. Then week 13, down to four and a half point dogs against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers after being nine and a half point dogs against them in week two. So another little weird movement. Carolina down to one and a half point dogs in week 14 after being three and a half point favorites in week eight. And then they close out their season week 15, 16, 17, and 18 as eight and a half point dogs to the 49ers, seven and a half point favorites to the Lions, eight and a half point dogs to the Bills, and one point favorites over the New Orleans Saints after being six-point dogs in week nine. Interesting. So very interesting uh, odd movements in the second game, spread movements rather, in the second game faced of their division opponents. Yep. What can we deduct from that, man? I don't really understand what the books are drawing there. Well, one of the things you were saying yesterday is uh, what I'm imagining here is that home field advantage is going to play a much bigger play than we saw last year. Uh, and, uh, you know, those splits there with the Bucks, at least the divisional games there that you see, the 9.5 point split down all the way to 4.5 when they face them in Atlanta. So does appear that home field advantage is expected to come back and be a factor for all of these teams and especially if uh, as long as the falcons aren't four and 12 again that stadium is going to be rocking so i mean they've got a nice home field advantage so i definitely can see it absolutely i'm glad that is exactly where you took it because that is the exact reason why those lines are flipped a little weird like that now remember in 2020 one of the highest scoring seasons, one of uh, the weirdest things. You never really knew sometimes how a team was going to perform because there was no home field advantage. There were no ruckus crowd and fans. Everything we heard was artificially pumped in via the TV. There was no sound going on right. at these stadiums. So this season is going to be a lot to be determined. I think it's going to regress back to the mean, the football that we knew of old. Obviously, there'll still be high scoring games. There'll still be a lot of high flying stuff, but that crowd's going to play a large factor for some of these teams playing at home. And the Falcons, per the books, definitely appear to be one of them. Yeah, no question. So that does it uh, for their entire weekly preview. That uh, is everything there now. Hey, we did it yesterday. We might as well do it again. It's way too damn early, but we're betting, man, and we give out picks every doggone day. Week one, partner, versus the Philadelphia Eagles. The Atlanta Falcons are minus three and a half point favorites. They are at home. In the Mercedes-Benz Superdome or the Superdome, whatever it is called now, what are you hammering in week one? Gun to your head on the Atlanta Falcons. Gun to my head. Haven't dove too deep into this team, the Philadelphia Eagles, quite yet. It's going to be one of our uh, probably a couple weeks from now. But gun to my head, I'm going Atlanta Falcons. Uh, in my head, I'm thinking that's a solid matchup for the Falcons' defense. Uh, not going to be too much air raid going on there. So I do like that. And, uh, you know, as I mentioned, haven't dove too deep into the uh, the Eagles, so I'm definitely interested to see. Maybe I'll flip by then, but I don't think so. Uh, I, you know, kind of as we're talking here, it's going to be in Atlanta, so that's kind of where I'm siding on this one. If it was in Philly, I might have a different opinion. What about you? I got no different opinion. Mm -hmm. I'm with the Falcons, too. Uh, I would definitely hammer in uh, Atlanta minus three and a half. Now, maybe might change my opinion once we get yep. to the Eagles, kind of seeing some of their early season training camp videos coming out. Obviously, they got some of my Bama boys. Now, we'll see what happens. I don't want to waste time on the Eagles, though. But, yeah, if I was a betting man, which, once again, you know I am, 
I'm taking the Atlanta Falcons minus three and a half in week one. Come out hot. Arthur Smith has the boys ready to rock and roll. And they light up that defense, too, because I don't really think they did all too much to improve that defense. Talking about the Eagles? The Eagles. Right. Yes, sir. So there you go. Way too early. Week one pick. Nice. Now, hey, how about last season? You guys might need to know. We need to know. Everybody needs to know. How'd they do ATS last season? How'd they do over-under? What were some key trends? Well, let's kick things off with some ATS trends. First things first, in 2020, the Atlanta Falcons finished the season 7-9 and nine ATS with an average line of plus 2.5. So they came in pretty, uh, pretty regularly at a dog, and that plus 2.5 generally tended to be that spot where that doggy would lose. Right. Now, with them being seven and nine ATS overall on the season, they were one and three ATS as a favorite, six and five ATS as an underdog. For home and away splits, they were three and five at home ATS, one and three ATS as a home favorite, and two and two ATS as a home dog. They were four and four ATS on the road, zero and zero ATS as an away favorite, and four and three ATS as an away dog so those are some key trends uh for the ats side of things you know when you kind of look at that weren't too bad on the road as an away dog outside of that not very good in many other positions right yeah interesting to see here my man i mean uh you know did you uh, I, I missed it for a second i was spaced out were you talking did you talk about the teaser records yet no i i gotta get all the way okay sorry, sorry, sorry sorry <laughs> yeah so i mean there. at home i think that's gonna flip especially at home this year we might see him struggle on the road this year so i do like the chances at home uh, i think those ats numbers at home tick up a little bit this year absolutely how about some over under action well Last year in 2020, the Falcons' average game total line was set at 51.3 on average. Obviously, uh, you don't ever see those lines, so it was right around 51 and a half, 51, somewhere in there, right around right. that ballpark. But that was the average. Now their over/under record in 2020, similar, exact same as their ATS record, seven and nine on the season. They were four and four over/under at home, five and three to the over on the road, or, or to the under on the road. I do apologize. So three and five over under, and then three and two over under as a favorite, and four and seven over under as an underdog for the Falcons last season. Not a whole lot to draw from there, other than when they were a dog, they seemed to be in some of those tighter contests and uh, kept the totals down low. The opponent's team uh, defense kept the Falcons' defense or offense from scoring at all, kept Matt Ryan from moving the ball at all down the field. And then uh, the opponent's offense went up by a couple scores, let the clock run out, and that was the ball game. So kind of seemed to be what the case was there over underwise. But you mentioned it, partner. Mm -hmm. Everybody loves a good teaser. Yes, so sir. how did the Falcons do when you put them in a 6, 7, and 10-point teaser? Well, I told you yesterday, the Cardinals are not a bad ad for your teaser. Neither are the Falcons, apparently. No. In a six-point teaser, 10-6 and six, uh, straight up, 7.10-5, and five, and in a 10-point, they are 13-1. and one. So, hey, if you like those 10-point teasers, a little less juicy, a little less risky, go ahead and uh, target the Falcons Falcons here this uh, upcoming 2021 season because they were 13-1 and one of those bad boys last year. Yeah, definitely probably had you sweating when they were blowing those leads, but, uh, you know, that's why they, uh, you know, had that record because they could still... Uh, keep that within that 10 point range because they while they did blow those leads it's not like they lost those games by 20 points absolutely so 
that does it for the most part uh, for all of, not for the most part, that does it all for uh, last, last year's year. 2020 ATS trends, over-under trends, and a little bit of teaser action for you. So something to kind of stick a feather in the cap and look forward to for the 2021 betting season. Now we talked about uh, their spread lines, who they play, what they did last year. Now we got to talk about their win total. What do we think the Atlanta Falcons are going to do this season? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons' win total is set right now at seven and a half. And why don't we just dish out some picks, dish out our thoughts on it? Me personally, I think you might already know where I'm leaning because yep. I think it might have some value just because of I think they land right at seven. And I'm going to take under seven and a half. Oh, okay. I'm going to take under seven and a half. I do think that, uh, and this is obviously a lean right now, but I think that plus 110, much like the Cardinals yesterday, is very, very solid value on this win total. It's not too crazy. It's not too wild. And I think they have that favorite set at uh, for a lot of the public to come in and jump on that to take that favorite because it's not too chalky. Now, that's all deduction that's all uh what's the word i'm looking for uh what we don't like to do not speculation speculate there you go <laughs> couldn't couldn't think of that word to save my life uh yeah it, this is all speculation however yeah i think they get those seven wins that i mentioned and then i think they do struggle against the cowboys and i don't necessarily know that they get many other wins outside of uh of the ones that i mentioned i i and, and you know they could very well easily lose against the dolphins they could very well i think they lose we both think they lose against the patriots i don't know at four and twelve obviously with a new coaching staff that should turn around that should be big I don't know. I mean, I'm banking on them to be right at seven and uh, finish the season nine and nine and seven or eight and seven, whatever. However, you do the math now. Uh, oh yeah, uh, eight and nine. Eight and nine. Yeah, yeah. 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 But uh, yeah, well, you, but uh, I got them for seven wins, so it'd be seven and ten. Right, right, right. Seven and ten. Uh, but yeah, I am. Uh, I am flipping on you, my friend. I am going over at minus one thirty. Uh, I actually really like this. I like this better than yesterday's over. Uh, two and eight last year in one score games were the Falcons. So I believe that flips. 78 teams uh, that came in with a 20% win percentage or less in one score games followed that season by uh, almost always doubling it. And on average, it was over double than that. So I think they uh, you know capitalize on some of that and win some of those one score games that they lost last year. Uh, they blew five fourth quarter leads within two with the last two minutes of the came last year uh so i think that flips i think they've got that stink off of them do i think they're gonna be a fantastic team no i'm not saying that but i do think they get at least eight wins here uh and as i mentioned i'm not as high on the saints so i think they steal at least one of those wins there so that's kind of where i'm leaning there uh and then i do think they get two against the panthers uh three and one against the nfc north they get the jags and lions so I'm going over seven and a half. I like this one better than the uh, Cardinals over yesterday that I had. All right. So back-to-back days on the over, back-to-back days on the under for me. You know, some of the key points you listed there, I, I do think potentially that they could get over. The Saints are a big question mark in my head as well, especially at the quarterback position. We obviously won't waste time talking about them. It's going to be a while before we talk right. about them, and we'll know a lot more about them. And probably by that time, it might either 
really hammer home my pick or might flip me over onto the over because if they can pick up one of those wins then I definitely think they get the over at least eight wins so yeah I love where you're at there uh for now I think the Saints beat them in both games and I'm going under seven and a half all right you're saying over seven and a half so wherever uh you lie whichever you're thinking whoever you think the analysis uh is better at the time right now Maybe uh, kind of deduct all of it together. Wait till we get some more information out for the Saints and for the Falcons and then hammer in your season win total pick. Yes, sir. So there you go. There you have it. Season win total. Now, in kind of correlation with the season win total, are the Falcons going to make or miss the playoffs? Well, to make the playoffs, they are at a plus 200 puppy dog. And to miss it, nice chalky minus 250. Partner, where are you lying? Where are your heads at? Are they making the 2021 NFL playoffs. I'm going to have to say no. I'm not going to be hammering in the minus 250. Not too much value there. Uh, I just think there's going to be too many, uh, you know, solid teams. Good to really solid teams in the NFC. Obviously, we talked about the Cardinals yesterday. There's three to four really good teams in the NFC West. Um, Big question mark is the Saints in this division, obviously. And then, uh, you know, the Vikings, Bears in the NFC North. And then, of course, the NFC East. So I think there's too many question marks. I don't think that, like I said, I am going over the seven and a half. But I think it's going to be eight, nine win season for them. So... I'm going to have to say no here. Not going to be hammering in that minus 250, though. I feel you. Well, partner, if you could continue talking just a little bit more about uh, some of the division winner odds and different things. It looks like our video has stopped here for some reason, but we're still rocking and rolling. So I'm going to try and get that fixed if you can continue to talk, and uh, I'll be right back on around here in just a second. All righty. So moving on to the division here, it is plus 700 for the Falcons. Going to try and pull this up really quick. They have the third best odds here with the Panthers coming in at fourth. Obviously, the uh, Tampa Bay Bucks coming in as the leader. So we've got... Let's make sure I got this correct here. The Tampa Bay Bucks at minus 195, the Saints at plus 330, Falcons at plus 700, and the Panthers at minus 1,000. I don't think there's too much value here unless you think the Tampa Bay Bucks are going to fall off a cliff, which I know a lot of people don't have that same feeling, as do I. So don't think there's too much value here on the Falcons as the division winner. They're going to have to, for that to happen, they would have to steal at least one win from both the Saints and the Bucks. And like I said, for the Bucks to kind of fall off a cliff here. So I'm not going to be having any value on that one at all. And then uh, obviously, as far as the conference goes, I'm going to be right there uh, in kind of in the same vein here. Not going to be talking too much about that because I don't think there's much value at all. We are rocking and rolling still. No, we ain't doing good at all. I don't know what's going on with the video. I hope you guys can still hear us. I imagine you're hearing us. Uh, It looks like you guys still are because you guys are tuned in live. But uh, I'll try and get this figured out here as uh, you're continuing to go on just a little bit there, if you would so kindly, Patna. Yeah, no problem about it. Yep, I can still see us on the screen here, but uh, yeah. So yeah, as I mentioned, I uh, I don't think I'm going to be hammering in any division winners out of this race here. Uh, not much value there, not much value on the Super Bowl, not much value on the conference champions, unless you think they're going to flip the scripts and get back to the team that they were, get all that losing late game stink off of them because uh, you know they had themselves in the position to be a solid team last year. But I just don't think it's going to be enough. Obviously, they lose Julio Jones, so I'm not going to be taking that action by any means. And as we move move on here, uh, you know, doubling back here to make the playoffs, there might be a little bit of value on that plus 200 to talk myself into it here. Like I said, I'm not going to be hammering that in. Um, but if you're not too high on the Vikings, you're not too high on the NFC East. If you only think, you now we have to remember there's going to be seven teams out of uh, in the playoffs out of the NFC. One more, uh, you know, kind of like last year was. 
So I'm honestly interested in that plus 200. There might be a little bit of value there, but like I said, I'm not going to be hammering that in. Uh, it's going to have to take a lot of these NFC teams to kind of be the disappointments that they were last year, like the Vikings. Hey, oh, back on top. Eh? Continue, my man. I don't know what the hell's going on. Go <laughs> ahead. Uh, no, it's all right. For a second, I'm gonna have to fix some stuff. righty. no problem about it. But uh, yeah, I, I I could talk myself into that. Uh, make the playoffs there at plus 200. Uh, but uh, I think we're going to see a big flip here, as I was already mentioning, at over 7.5. So could be some value there because uh, I'm not, honestly personally not that high in the Vikings, mm. not too high in the Bears, and I'm not too high in the NFC East outside of maybe one of them. So I I, I don't hate that. No, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of talking myself into that yes to make the playoffs, my friend. I feel you. No questions there. Uh, sorry about that, guys. I don't know what the hell's going <laughs> on. Um Obviously, uh, trying to be the host of a show, trying to be the producer of a show, everything in between. I uh, was already having a few technical difficulties starting the show, so uh, now hopefully everything is good to go, but I'm probably going to have to add that camera in every single time now. So, Goodness. Uh, yeah, hey, everybody, just uh, hang tight, be cool, and uh, we'll continue to just trudge right along. Alrighty. So uh, moving on into the fourth and final segment for the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, once again, do apologize, have no idea what's going on here today but uh let's keep it rolling into the fantasy advice start stash or pass now hell of a spot to see us pause there <laughs> once again i'll have to add in the camera i honestly don't know how this has happened but here we are folks hey, oh. we are back live and in prime time so let me just uh delete that real quick here if i do say so myself so uh from here on out uh since i don't really know how to be able to do that and uh add everything in without you guys seeing me every time so before we move on along into each individual thing i will uh just have to click the camera back on and uh we'll go from there so Let's wrap things up with the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, try and get back on track. My brain is scrambled all over the map right now. Going to have to try and figure out what all happened there. But uh, let's keep it moving into the fantasy rankings and our best advice for the Atlanta Falcons. All right. All right. Here we go. First things first, my friends. If uh, we could turn our attention to the most, well, one of the most important positions on the field, the most important position on the field, but maybe not always for the fantasy perspective. Partner, how do you feel about QB1, Mr. Matt Ryan, and is there any handcuff value with Mr. A.J. McCarron backing him up? As far as the handcuff, I'll nip that in the butt right away and say, no, I'm not going to be uh, handcuffing with A.J. McCarron there. Big pass for you. Okay. Big old pass on him. But uh, as far as Matt Ryan goes, he was the number 12 quarterback last year. I was looking into it, and uh, that doesn't sound like a terrible number, depending on what your QB strategy is. But there was a nice little drop-off from uh, the top 10 and then into that next tier, 11, 12, and on. So I'm uh, I'm definitely not starting him. I might be uh, I might be interested in stashing him, having him as my backup quarterback. I'm interested to see without Julio Jones what his type of production in this new offense is. I'm uh, I'm not super high on him as far as his fantasy quarterback goes. I could see him having a really solid uh, you know actual season as it goes, but I don't see too many yards coming out of him. Uh, you know on a game to game basis, it might be matchup based. He'll hit Calvin Ridley, but then it might be a lot of run game and tight end work. So. I'm going to be stashing. I'm uh, interested in it as a backup quarterback, but what about you, Barton? 
I'm going to stash for the time being as well. I am not super high on Matt Ryan. I've had him a few times in my fantasy lineup, yes, and, and he's nothing to write home about, but he's not going to kill your season by any stretch. Um, the jury's still out exactly what these uh, supporting wide receivers are going to do. Like I said, I think Calvin Ridley has a solid year, gets him some support. I think that Kyle Pitts has a solid year, gets him some support there. But then as far as Russell Gage and below Zacchaeus, and then obviously below that, I don't really know what he's going to get out of that. So, and then obviously the jury's still out. What does Arthur Smith's going to offense going to look like there in Atlanta? So, I'm going to stash him for the time being. I'm not uh, going and rushing to the waiver ro- or to the board right now. Coming up with a draft to uh, lock him in as my QB one by any right. stretch of the term. So, I would definitely say there are 11 other QBs that I would target before him, but uh, right. definitely would say yeah, 12, 12th is uh, what I would say he would have been right around that. Right. So, there you go. There you have it. How about the running backs? Now, we've talked pretty doggone heavily about Mike Davis. Mm-hmm. Is there any other value outside of him before we dive deep in in that running back room? Outside of Mike Davis? Yes. I don't think so, no. No, no none whatsoever is kind of what I was thinking as well. Uh, there's really not uh, any guys who are worth any value of any name. No, no real handcuff. Uh, maybe at some point in time, keep your eye on them in case Mike Davis goes down. Right. Something happens there because they really don't have any type of depth. If you were to target one other running back outside of Mike Davis in that backfield, I would say Quadri um, Olison. Yeah. He would be the one guy, O-L-L-I-S-O-N. Uh, he would be the one guy that I would target uh, on waivers or at least kind of have in the back of your mind if you got Mike Davis uh, just in case something happens because there is not much depth going on there in Atlanta no, this not year. not at all. But as far as Mike Davis goes, are you uh, starting, stashing, or passing the Atlanta running back? This is an interesting case for me because he was number 12 running back last year filling in for McCaffrey in a decent chunk of the games. So I'm going to be stashing him. However, I think he might be a very good matchup-based start here because he had a lot of very good games last year, but then he also went six games under 10 fantasy points. And that, if you're starting him on a week-to-week basis, that's not something you want to see. You don't like those uh, you know, under 10 games from your running backs, especially when you're right. expecting him to get 15-plus. So I think he could have some really, really, really nice fantasy games against some of those bad run defenses. But if you get a team like the Washington football team like they'll see this season, I have no interest in starting Mike Davis. So for the sake of it, I'll say uh, stash. Because I do, I I would like him honestly off my bench if I need some desperation or even like I said in some matchup spots. Are you right along with me? Or are you heavily passing? I was honestly going to say the exact same things really? that you just said. Uh, I think it's heavily matchup based for Mike Davis. Literally, to take the words out of your mouth. I think he's worth a stash. Do I think you target him anywhere before the fourteenth or fifteenth round? Eh, maybe a little earlier than that, but uh, I think you stay away for the time being. I think he definitely is somebody you can stash if you got a bad flex matchup for that week. He's somebody you might be able to plug and play depending on who the Falcons are playing. So yeah, I echo everything you said there. I am definitely stashing Mike Davis as well. Right. How about the wide receivers? As far as Calvin Ridley, are you starting stashing or passing Calvin Ridley for the time being? Is he worthy of a wide receiver one, two, or flex spot for you? Most definitely starting him. He is. Uh, he was the number five wide receiver last year, and in the seven games that Julio Jones missed, he was the number three fantasy receiver during those games. Uh, you know, on a aggregate base there. So I think he's going to be uh, top five once again here. So I am absolutely starting him. 
As far as where he goes in drafts, I probably wouldn't use a first round pick on him just because uh, we're not really sure with the new offense, you know, a little bit of an uncertainty there. So I might be, uh, you know, interested second, third round type draft for him. But uh, I don't know if I'm going first round or are you feeling a little different on him? Um, I wouldn't go super high. I wouldn't target him as my wide receiver one. I think you can definitely get a few other key pieces okay. and better fantasy value outside of Calvin Ridley, but I do think that he is going to have a monstrous season. Um, He is definitely wide receiver two material for me, no question in my mind. Now, that being said, if it comes around to my spot in the time and I'm a late round pick in a 10 or in a 12 man league, 10, 12 man league, regardless if you're a little bit bigger league and he's sitting around there and a lot of the good running backs and a lot of the top tier wide receiver ones are gone I'd say scoop up Calvin Ridley yeah. because I, I think he's going to have a huge yarded season and he's going to be one of the main targets because I, I think I think that Kyle Pitts is going to have a really really good yeah. season but I also think that defenses know about Kyle Pitts we're all humming beans we're already all talking about him you got to be thinking that every defense in the NFL that's going to have to face the Atlanta Falcons and Kyle Pitts is already talking about him too and how can they minimize him. So I think that's going to leave Calvin Ridley wide open a lot and I think that you'll be able to uh, to get some good fantasy points out of him this season. So definitely worth a look. But how about the aforementioned Kyle Pitts? Is he worth uh, tight end number one overall? Or are we targeting maybe a Kelsey, a Kittle, um, a Waller the Baller before him? Uh, you know, as far as before him, I'm targeting those guys for him before him for sure. I would love to have Kyle Pitts on my team. I don't know if he fits into my personal type of draft strategy because I typically wait on tight ends unless, uh, you know, the right uh, circumstance falls to me. So he might be that case. So I wouldn't reach too high for him. What I will say is that uh, ESPN has him projected at 193 fantasy points this year. Uh, that would have ranked him third in fantasy points for tight ends last year behind Kelsey and Waller. Now, that is a giant drop-off from those two monsters, 312 and 278, respectively, for those two guys. But then, obviously, it drops all the way down to, like, high 170s. Now, of course, you mentioned George Kittle, so he'll, you know, almost certainly supplant himself right back into there. So I really do think he could be top five, if not that number four tight end this year. Because mm. uh, after those top three guys that I just mentioned, it goes, like, Logan Thomas, Bob Tanyan, um, who am I blanking on Baltimore? We're going to talk about tomorrow. Uh, Mark Andrews? Yes, Mark Andrews. Um, so I think he could slide right into there at worst, right in with those guys. Mm -hmm. So I really think he could be top six, worst case, honestly. Kind of like a Jonu Smith, too, almost. Uh, as far I, as production? I, yeah, as far as production. I, I think, because uh, I think Jonu Smith will have a pretty solid season, too, as yeah. well, uh, tight end-wise being in um, uh, New England. I think that's a great fit for him. But as far as Kyle Pitts, uh, yeah, I think he is definitely worth an add. I will be starting him if I can get my hands on him. Same here. I don't know that I'm going to target a tight end in round one, two, or three, right. and that may cause me to uh, miss out on him. But I mean, maybe if he's around still in the fourth or fifth, fourth bit, yeah, that's probably when I'll, I'll scoop him up. But uh, I would I would imagine there's going to be a lot of fantasy leagues out there that are going to take him in the first or second round, no question. Yeah, kind of what I said, the depth of tight ends might drive him to be a higher pick. So I yeah. think so, too. I think so, too, even with his unproven ability as of yet. Right. So that's all of the offense. That's every positional grouping. That's what we think of the value this year fantasy-wise and where we might be plugging and playing or start stashing and passing some of the key players in those groupings. Partner, there's one grouping left that we could potentially start for fantasy purposes. 
Is this defense worth a damn, worth anything, worth uh, plugging and playing into your fantasy lineup? Hell no. I don't know. There might be a specific matchup here or there that I might like, but on a whole, absolutely not. They were, the, I believe, the number 24th ranked defense last year. Very good chance that they improve on that, but I don't think they cracked top 20 this year once again. So I have no interest whatsoever. I think they get torched by some of these QBs. And like I said, there might be one specific matchup here or there that if I'm desperate, I might scoop them up. But other than that, I've got no interest. I got zero interest in it. The only matchup I might be interested in is, is week three against the Giants. Other than that, I really don't care. Or maybe the Jets, uh, unproven Zach Wilson, and I don't know what Danny Dimes yeah. is going to be. But week other three, than four, that, five, maybe, yeah. Other than that, leave them alone. Leave them on the waiver wire. If you are in desperation mode and already in one of those weeks, if it has just been a terrible start to your season, maybe plug and play. But hey, Avoid the Falcons' defense at all costs right. when it comes to uh, fantasy season this upcoming 2021 season. All right. Well, that just about does it for everything Atlanta Falcons. Uh, just going to have to briefly add back in the camera. Bear with me just one moment here, ladies and gentlemen. One moment. What a pause that is. Here we go real quickly. All right. We're back live on the screen. You know, this is, uh, this is kind of a pain in the neck. Goodness. I don't know what's going on. But uh, that does it. That is everything Atlanta Falcons. We broke down all of their offense. We broke down all of their defense. We discussed their betting outlook for the upcoming season. Not only their weekly lines, we also talked about their win total, their over-under trends, ATS trends from last season. I mean, we covered it all, man. Sure There's did. nothing that we did not cover there. So if you missed any of it, hey, rewind, go back. This will be here all the way through the 2021 season and beyond. So you got plenty of time if you missed any part to go back and check it out. Some stuff we talked about. Uh, missed anything fantasy-wise either. We hit that too. So not to worry. Now, uh, didn't want to rush through it. So uh, we decided to ixlay a little bit of ransom reactions uh, action. Uh, but we uh, do have a little bit of extra time here, partner. We didn't go too long. Didn't go about an hour and a half. So anything late breaking, any news that we need to get into before I uh, get some motivation minutes going here? Uh, so nothing major. My White Sox made a little minor trade here. They traded for, within the division, Cesar Hernandez from Cleveland at second base. Uh, they've been in the market for a while for a second baseman. And, uh, you know, this isn't, isn't the biggest splash. They uh, have been rumored to uh, be in, uh, in talks for a handful of guys. But... Uh, I mean, hell, this at least helps a little bit because that is really the only hole, especially once all of these guys come back healthy this season because Nick Madrigal is not coming back. He is the only one that is not going to be coming back from injury. So interested to see if they uh, do some more at that position specifically. I fully expect them to trade for at least one relief pitcher. But as far as uh, second base, they do have uh, a little bit, of, little bit of an improvement there. Only a 231 batting average, 307 OBP, but 18 bombs. So a little bit of hop there. All right. Well, your White Sox getting back in action, huh? We'll see what happens. They're definitely, obviously, still, uh, still pretty yeah, firmly I would planted be, in the AL Central. So yeah, I would be shocked if we don't trade for a reliever. Absolutely yeah. shocked. Yeah, I think that's kind of one of the things you need for sure. And they're uh, like gold during this time of the season, yeah, no if kidding. I do say so myself. So, hey. These episodes are going to be a little bit more short and sweet, getting right through them. We might uh, rework them at a team or two here and there, but uh, hey, only taking up about an hour and, uh, you know, 10 minutes or so of your time here today. But of course, you guys are so kind to uh, give us your hard-earned time, your support, your following, so uh 
can't make it a TTL pod, and uh, I wouldn't be a part of anything if I couldn't give you a little extra motivation and inspiration to get you on through your days. So, once again, going to have to do a little producing here real quick. Bear with me. We'll be back live on the screen. You can see us here in just a moment. One second, and this will be the last time I'm going to do this today. I'm not going to worry about taking the motivation minutes off the screen. So one second, we will be back live on your screen very, very, very briefly. Do not worry, ladies and gentlemen. The show is still live. Everything is okay. Here we are. No problems. It's officially time for Colts Motivation Minutes. Now, um... Talk about a little uh, little adversity battle here today. A little uh, no idea what's going on. You guys don't know this, but starting the show wasn't able to uh, monitor the sound, so these things uh, were pretty much useless. Uh, everything was uh, just kind of a nice little IT fiasco today, and I don't know what happened to the video. I, I, I sit here and monitor it the whole time, and the one time for 30 seconds I don't monitor it, it's completely gone. So with all that being said... Um, Kind of, I, I wanted to share with you guys today, and maybe maybe I'm the one to tell you, maybe I'm the one to push you over the edge and take that leap of faith, um, but we took a leap of faith in pursuing Talking the Line sports media and, and careers in the sports gambling industry and within the sports industry, sports media industry, and we absolutely love it. We wake up every single day happy, centered, and fulfilled, ready to tackle another day full of it. But we had to bet on ourselves in order to do that, and we couldn't be afraid. And we knew that there were times like adversity like that that might come up. There were times that we might not agree in certain areas, that we might have to take a thought a different direction. We might have to take a time out come back, find something new. We might run into an obstacle. We thought a deal was going to come up and the whole deal falls through and we just have to rework and figure it out again. That's all part of it. So what I'm trying to tell you today, my friends, whoever needs to hear this, I'm not sure, but I'm here to tell you, stop being afraid to bet on yourself. Today is your day. Right now, this moment is your moment. Stop being afraid to risk it all and maybe have a chance of becoming successful. Especially if you stop by a sports gambling podcast on the daily, stop being afraid to bet on yourself. Stop coming up with all the what ifs, I don't knows, question marks, and start looking for the trends and insights in your life as to why you are going to be successful. Stop listing all the negative things that are going to tell you why you're not going to make it to that goal you're chasing after or that dream you're trying to accomplish. List all the reasons as to why you are going to make that thing happen. I know it's short and sweet. I know you can probably think on it yourself and you can probably come up with a lot more other thoughts on it about this topic today yourself. And I challenge you to do that today. Challenge you guys today... If you've been waiting, if you've been pondering, debating, questioning, if you should take that leap of faith, do it. Don't be afraid to bet on yourself any longer. You are blessed, you have the ability, and you have the talents to accomplish whatever dream or passion that you've set your mind to. So today, my friends, 
Short, sweet, and simple. Go get after it. Go chase your dreams, chase your passions, and achieve them all by not being afraid to bet on yourself. And that does it for my motivation minutes today. Always good stuff, my man. I mean, I obviously can't add too much there. Yeah, laid out both of our, uh, you know, experiences with that. And uh, we certainly did it, and we are having the time of our lives. Uh, but, of course, there's never, uh, you know, it doesn't come with, uh, you know, uh, a cake. It's not going to be a cakewalk. So you have to, uh, you know, drive through the adversity as we are doing in this show in itself, as we've yes, done sir. multiple times in this show in Within itself. Within this show itself, yes. <laughs> so, yeah, I can't add too much about it. I've, uh, yeah, I uh, love this phrase as far as betting on yourself. So I'm going to be using it for uh, quite a while. Absolutely. So there you go. Once again, my motivation minutes. I'm not going to take uh, it off the screen or do anything like that because I don't feel like bringing back the picture and uh, worrying about all of that because it's just going to cut out every single time now and I have to bring up a new source. So not going to happen. Uh, producer Colt is uh, leaving for the day. So host Colt is here to stay. Now, with all that being said, partner, anything burning on the brain, melting on the heart, festering on the soul, you have been dying to get out to the kind folks that joined us on episode 91, NFL special edition number two of the Talking the Line podcast, Atlanta Falcons edition on this beautiful July 29th, 2021. Alrighty, so I'm going to keep these NFL themed and, uh, you know, if we got uh, something like yesterday where it's uh, this day in sports history, I'll lay that down. Didn't have any of that today. So looking at Mr. Matt Ryan here, A, first question is, do we think he's going to be a Hall of Famer? I would say yes, because of, uh, you know, a handful of reasons, but he is top 10 in career passing yards and in career touchdowns, and he's going to move up on that list. Now, there are probably going to be a lot of guys coming down the pipe that are going to make those waves, but Matt Ryan also does have an MVP under his belt and a Super Bowl appearance under his belt. So for those reasons, those two and the top 10 here with his stats, I'm going to say yes. I would say yes. It's going to loom heavy how they do this season, to tell you the truth. Um Low-key, those last two seasons could have kind of really tarnished any bid for that because sometimes you need to be able to step up and make those plays. And I don't I don't want to say they completely tarnish it by any means. I would lean yes. I would now. say at least eventually, maybe not first ballot. Yeah, I yeah, I wouldn't say first ballot by any means, but I'd say at least eventually. At but least eventually. Uh, he is ninth in passing yards right now, definitely will move into eighth. He is not too far behind. If he plays a couple more seasons, two if he plays three, four more seasons, he can get into that top five as far as yards are concerned. Um I screenshot of the uh, yards thing twice but i know he is 10th in touchdowns <laughs> all right <laughs> so uh yeah i know he can move up there as well let's see real quick i'll get it up here uh yeah he is 10th he's got eli right ahead of him in this one as well he'll pass him up uh but then it's, again same thing if he plays four or five more years he can get into that top five but uh i feel like he doesn't probably have four or five more years on his belt if i do say so myself i would have to agree with you there partner and uh, appreciate you mentioning Mr. Matt Ryan getting mm -hmm. close to passing up yet another few guys on the all-time passing leader and touchdown leader list in the National Football League. So yeah, we both think he is worth of a Hall of Fame bid. Maybe not first ballot, but definitely should be in Canton. Thank you for your sidebar, Mr. Uh, Magnuson. All right, folks. Well, that about does it. 
that about wraps it up for episode 91 of the TTL pod NFL special edition two of 32 it may change from two of 32 not too sure maybe we put some more in there maybe we have two of 32 and then it's just all we continue to talk about more NFL stuff after we get through all the teams no idea no clue but you guys are sticking with us through the ride and you'll just have to wait to find out hail we're going to have to wait to find out too because we're just going to be brainstorming and maybe changing things by the day. But it will still look similar to as it did today, hopefully without any uh, video pausing, any issues on that end. Uh, you know, hey, once again, I'll throw it on out there, throw out the line, see if any fish are biting. If you're in any type of IT, you like audio, video, technology, anything in between, you have any type of expertise or passion and uh, you want to get into it in the sports gambling or sports world, hit us up. You can either shoot us a DM on our social medias, hit our link tree, visit talkintheline.com. We give you ways that you can send emails directly to us. Hit us up. If you want to work with us, if you know us personally, shoot us a text for crying out loud while you're watching this. Know that we need help on that front and you haven't said anything to us yet. Come join the crew. We are... uh, Really getting to a spot where we're in need of one more uh, fella here uh, joining us on the crew. That is a uh, a very a very apparent need coming up here soon. So hey, you want to join? Open arms, open arms. Gotta we don't pa- bite. Got to pass a few tests, but open arms. That all being said, nothing else I gotta say. Nothing else I really gotta discuss. We got uh, baseball plays already in. At least I do. I'm not sure if you do already. I got some baseball plays in on the Action Network app. We'll have the uh, TalkingTheLine.com website. Uh, We'll have that updated here. Shoot for every day no later than 2.30 p.m. to have it updated. Uh, We'll be able to get it done a little bit earlier now. I do believe so that we're doing a little bit shorter episodes without bets and rants and reactions. We might figure out a way to work in a little bit of rants and reactions, but some teams might go a little bit longer, so we might scrap it all together. But with that all being said, ladies and gentlemen, degenerates, gamblers far and wide. From myself, oh, 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 maybe NFL fans, Falcons fans, everyone in between. I don't want to forget you guys either. For myself and Mags, we hope you have a spectacular rest of your Thursday. Unless you have other plans, we'll see you back for tomorrow's show, episode 92, NFL Special Edition 3, Baltimore Ravens on tap. Thank you so much for stopping by again today. Be sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms. Hit the Talk in the Line link tree to find it all there. We can't close out a show without saying it, even though we didn't dish any out. But as always, let's cash some tickets.